What's up, y'all, and welcome back once again. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into some brackets and taking a look at March Madness, recapping some big moves that have gone down already in NFL free agency, and taking a look back at this past weekend's Players' Championship. Episode 37 coming at you right now. and welcome back once again. I'm Landon Pangburn along with my brother and co-host Preston Pangburn. Today is Monday, which means it's time for another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. P, how you doing? I'm good. Coming off a huge weekend. We had our first Alta Tennis match of the season and after going, I think, 0-7 or 0-8 last year and getting relegated down like three or four leagues, uh, we started off 1-0. Let's go. So are we the best tennis team of all time? That's not for me to decide. You could be. We shall see how the season turns out. How did you play personally? Uh, Tanetti and I won. We were on the one line, which I'm not quite sure I belong there. Wow, you guys are the one? That's dope. Yeah, Tanetti and I were the ones and the way that it played out, like, Usually you have groups playing at 9, 10, and then 11, but all five played at the same time, and ours was the only one to go to the third set tiebreak. So all eyes were on us at the beginning, and I was incredibly nervous, kind of blacked out, but luckily Tanetti brought us home. Let's go. Would you win 10-8 in the third set tiebreak? Is that what it was? 10-8, to eight, yeah. The, the third set tiebreak is just best to 10, win by two. Yeah. I'm laughing because when you texted me originally that you won 10 to 8, I thought you played 10 games to 8 games in the final set, old John Isner, Nicholas Mahout style, but thank God you didn't do that. No, that that would be pretty miserable. What did that end up at? Wasn't it like 70 to 68? I, for some reason, I had in my mind like in the mid-60s, but it, you could be right. It was absurd. They had to delay it one day and then finish the next day because they never stopped. <laughs> that is a historic tennis match, and I'm not sure that will ever be matched. I, I just <laughs> no. don't know why you would ever allow that to happen. Well, I think they changed the rules, didn't they? I, I think, think so. I think it's done now. I think now that you go into a fifth set tiebreak because they don't want that to ever happen again. I mean, it's the dumbest thing ever because <laughs> I think Mahout ended up winning, but his feet were so destroyed. I don't think exactly. he could even play the next they day. They so. Andy Bernard's hands after the driving range. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you want to get into some madness? Let's do it. So yeah. Yesterday was selection Sunday. We got our brackets out and this week, Friday, actually, instead of the normal Thursday, we got March Madness starting looking forward to it two of my favorite days of the year i really think that of all weekends i love sports i love all sports and even though i'm not as big into college basketball as used to be i still think that opening weekend the first four days of march madness still might be my favorite four day stretch in all of sports you ready for it I am. Like you said, one of the best weekends in all of sports. It's a sports better's dream. I will be fully locked in. But like you said, it's really strange with it starting on a Friday. I'm not sure that I dig that at all, but opens up on Friday at 1215 with Florida and Virginia Tech. Go Hokies in that one, obviously. But anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about the seeding. The one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. I want to start off talking a little bit about the Zags. They are the first overall seed, finished the regular season 26-0, obviously won their conference. Mark Few chasing his first national title. I saw a prop bet today. Gonzaga plus 200 versus the field minus 250. Who would you take in that? Wow. For for the national championship, Gonzaga's only plus 200? Yep. 
Ooh, that's pretty tough. I think I would have to go to the field just because it's called March Madness for a reason, right? Like, as much as I love Gonzaga and as, as different as they are from historical Gonzaga teams, you know, we always think of them because they originally came into the national spotlight as this like perennial Cinderella type thing. They're not that anymore. They are like a highly recruited, like they got some serious prospects on this team kind of team. Like they deserve to be the number one overall seed. Even though, even though they're really good, their competition level hasn't been very high. There's so much unknown this year. So I would have to go to the field because like I said, it's March Madness. Crazy things happen. Agreed. Yeah. The field minus 250, that is a little steep, but I mean, it's the other 67 teams in the tournament. So I would go that way too, but I do have the Zags in my national championship, but we'll get to that in a minute. One thing that struck me here is the first four games that they're playing on Thursday night, one of them is UCLA versus Michigan State battling for an 11 seed. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I know both of us aren't as you know locked in and tuned in to college basketball as we used to be because it's gone a little bit downhill if we're being honest, but I know that those two teams are not supposed to be playing for an 11 seed. Yeah, that's, that's wild. wild. And I think it's one of the, the kind of crazier stories of the entire year in college basketball, right? The fact that we don't even have Duke in Kentucky in the tournament. We have teams like Michigan State and UCLA that low. We have Georgetown elsewhere as a 12 seed. Like we got some crazy perennial powerhouses that are just not really doing their thing that they normally do. So it's going to be an interesting year. One thing I do want to point out is we got some really like fun teams in here, especially in the lower seeds. Like first of all, Hartford thought that was either an insurance company or a hockey team. Didn't realize that was a college. That's pretty dope. We got Grand Canyon University, which I thought was a purely online school until literally today. (laughs) Well, online and basketball. (laughs) Okay, online basketball. They practice on Zoom? Yes. That's dope. Okay. And then Cleveland State didn't know they were still a team. I have a trivia question for you because I was thinking about this when I saw them. Can you name the best player, I think the best player, in Cleveland State basketball history? Oh, man. Oh, that's easy. LeBron James. (laughs) Close. Related. (laughs) Are you saying the state of Cleveland or Cleveland State University? I'm saying Cleveland State University, and he played with LeBron in the NBA. Yeah, I, I tried to spin it because I don't know the answer. Cleveland's not a state, so that's not great. But no, I don't know who it is. <laughs> Norris Cole. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because they did make the tournament. They made the tournament, and he was really good. I actually read about it today just because I wanted to look it up. He was the only player in Horizon League history, which Horizon is actually a good basketball conference only player in Horizon League history to win both the Conference Player of the Year and Conference Defensive Player of the Year. So that's pretty cool. Horizon League history. How many of the schools in the Horizon League are online only? (laughs) Most, (laughs) if not all. Yeah, I I couldn't name another one. There's also a ton of small teams from the state of Texas. You got the North Texas Mean Green. You got Abilene Christian. You got all kinds of people just squirting in here out of nowhere. And you mentioned Hartford. That's Connecticut, I reckon. I guess so. I thought it was. I thought it was Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they let teams from Canada in this tournament. But I think you're right. anyway, yeah, it's crazy seeing all of these small teams because you automatically dismiss them up front. But some of them are guaranteed to win. Like there are going to be a couple huge upsets, and that's what I love about madness. It's hard to pick which ones there's going to be, but you know it's going to happen. And just having that like Friday afternoon, 15 seed up by 10 in the second half against the two seed is just so exciting. I love madness. I love that. Yeah. So. Speak- Speaking of that, just curious, before we get into like Final Four National Championship picks, do you have any second round matchups between two double digit seeds anywhere in your bracket? Sorry, ask that question again. Do you have any in your second round matchups? Do you have any matchups between two double digit seeds in the second round? I do not. I am notoriously boring in my bracket. I, I just don't think it mathematically makes sense to pick too many upsets, so I'm very boring about it. So the answer to your question is no. Who do you have? 
That's the pits. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I I go kind of savage on this and not, it's never going to happen, but it's just fun to think about for like eight seconds. So I have Syracuse beating San Diego State and Moorhead State over West Virginia, 14 over three. So I got those two playing in second round, 11 versus 14. Love that. Absolutely I, nuts. But who, Sorry, who's your 14 seed? Moorhead State. Let's go. Let's go. And then I also have another one. I have Winthrop uh, taking down Villanova in the first round because I was on the treadmill two weeks ago. I was seeing a Villanova game on the TV. They looked like they were horrible, so I'm done with them. And then North Texas is the mean green. I just want them to sneak in. So I have them over Purdue. So Winthrop versus North Texas in the second round. I love that. And you mentioned Villanova. You picked them as a 12 seed. I saw the other week that they apparently have another Archie Diacono brother. Is that right? Because if they do, then yeah, they, you got to take them. That's sick. Well, I picked against them. I picked Winthrop over them because oh. they suck. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're the five. I'm done with them. Yeah, okay. you're well, out. Well, this is this is how unplugged I am. But yeah. Winthrop, let's go. Let's go Winthrop. So here we go. All right, let's go on to later on in the tourney. Who do you have for your final four picks? So in the final four, I mentioned Gonzaga. I've got them beating Texas in the final four. So I've got Texas on my bottom left region. I don't know which region that is, but that's how I think you're, of these in quadrants. You're simply trying to do that to be dad's favorite child. Uh, no, that that's way too far gone. I'll, I'll take my bronze medal on that one. So top left, I've got Gonzaga. Bottom left, Texas. I honestly think... I really like them in that region. I mean, their one seed is Michigan. They're a little bit weak because they lost their forward, Isaiah Livers. He's out for the season. I think that Michigan, they're my favorite one seed to go down early. Maybe not even getting past the Sweet 16. Anyway, got Texas bottom left. Top right, got Illinois. Bottom right, got Baylor. That's a little bit of a homer pick, but I love them. One of my main things that I look at for madness every year, and this has treated me well, three-time bracket champion, uh, I look at the top five, six, seven teams and which team has the highest percentage of their points scored by upperclassmen guards. Upperclassmen guards are who run college basketball, and wow. that's who wins you natties. And that's why I like Baylor. My boy Macy Oteague, stroking threes, going to bring it home. I've got the Baylor Bears over Gonzaga and the natty. Let's go, Laurel. Yeah, that's that's pretty dope. Well, you kind of tore down part of my my picks here because I'm completely uninformed about college basketball. So I have Gonzaga top left as well. On my bottom left, I got Michigan overcoming the deficit of Isaiah Livers. So we're just going to overcome it and do it for our boy here. Ooh, bad pick. And then on the right, on the right side, I've got Ohio State against Oklahoma State. So I got two ones on the left side. I got a two and a four on the right side. I've got Michigan versus Ohio State in my national championship, despite the fact that I cannot name a single player on either of the two teams. And I have Michigan winning it because of Duncan Robinson. <laughs> because of, Okay, I like that. You're a big Duncan guy, even though he's gone and won't be playing in the game. You'll obviously be cheering them on and, and give them the right energy. So now that we've talked through this a little bit, I, I want to ask you, did you know that Isaiah Livers, one of their starting forwards and leading scorers, was out? I never heard the name <laughs> Isaiah Livers till 45 seconds ago. Okay, gotcha. I mean, it's, it's him. And then they've got uh, young Wagner, uh, Moritz's brother. I can't. His name's Franz. Franz Wagner. No way. That's yep. sick. Yeah, Mo Wagner, uh, he was a beast a few years ago. Yeah, and his, his little brother's good. And then they have got the seven-foot big man. Uh, what's his name? Hunter, Hunter Dickinson. He's okay. their leading scorer, leading rebounder. So that'll be interesting, especially if they you know make a run and end up playing Illinois in the national championship because they had some good battles this year because they've got their seven-footer, Kofi Cockburn. So I'm interested to see how both of those guys play in the tournament because that dominant seven-footer who kind of plays in the paint and blocks shots and doesn't really step outside is kind of a dying breed in both college basketball and the NBA. But anyway, I, I just think... Think that they're outside of Gonzaga everything is just complete toss-up 
that's why there's this Gonzaga versus the field prop. But yeah. I just think there are a ton of good teams. There's a lot of uncertainty. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a really fun tournament like always. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty. One thing that I am certain of is that if you're going to be some kind of burn, I'd rather be a ping burn than a cock burn for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That I, is a fact. Stone cold. <laughs> yeah. The, the seven footer from Jamaica, his name is spelled Kofi Cockburn. It's spelled Coburn, but that's not as fun. Or it's pronounced Coburn, but that's not as fun to say. I've never heard of a silent CK. Correct. Goodness gracious. Yeah. We do need to talk about a couple of the guys in Gonzaga that haven't gotten a shout out yet that are awesome players. One being Jalen Suggs, the freshman that everybody loves, hired Lee Raid recruit last year. Other one is my guy, Corey Kispert, who actually might get drafted higher than Jalen Suggs. He's just a sharpshooter, kind of mid-sized, like six, seven guy who just bombs threes. Got to love that kind of guy. You know, that's my my jam right there. So Corey Kispert and Jalen Suggs, pretty sick for Gonzaga. And then also on the other side, really looking out for Cade Cunningham to make some noise in the tourney. He's already making noise, likely, or at least possible number one overall pick, but looking forward to seeing what he does in the spotlight. I'm with you on that. Jalen Suggs is a stud. He might be a top five pick in the draft. Corey Kispert, he's the kind of guy who's a really good college player who knows how he'll translate to the NBA. I didn't realize he was getting consideration that high in the draft. I mean, I saw mid first round and Jalen Suggs can can go anywhere from like top five to like later in the first, depending on what teams think of him. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say God bless the team who takes Kispert over Suggs. But anyway, they're both really good college players and that's why they might make it to the natty. We'll see if they can cut their first net down. So one more time, who do you have as your national champion? I've got Baylor over Gonzaga. Okay. And I've got Michigan over Ohio State. So we'll see how it goes. That would be pretty electric. It would be electric. They need revenge for football. They are so screwed in that rivalry in football for the next thousand years so they Yikes. desperately need a victory in basketball <laughs> all right well those are our march madness picks so what else you got on the tourney before we move on i do have one fun stat that i saw uh shout out to jim Beheim. so sam's gonna be happy about this one jim Beheim is becoming the first college basketball coach ever to make the ncaa tournament in six different decades 70s 80s 90s 2000s 2010s 2020s that is bananas wait is this as a head coach as a head coach he was a head coach in the 70s yeah i'm gonna look it up real quick yeah he started real young man that's how you have like a thousand career wins or whatever he's got that is wild and his son is currently on the team right buddy Bayheim averaging 17 points a game saw that the other day buddy Bayheim is such a ridiculous name buddy Bayheim. he started as syracuse's head coach in 1976 that's insane that is insane yeah we were i was negative 13 years old yeah that that's a real long time ago okay well good for buddy Bayheim and his pops uh, i've got them losing first round though <laughs> see you again. see you pal yeah anyway all right that's all we got for madness that is a cool stat we'll keep that in mind but let's move on to the nfl free agency started today and it was a very busy day around the league one of the biggest pieces of news was running back aaron jones re-signed with the packers for four years 48 million dollars i don't know what you thought about that one but it was kind of a mixed reaction you know it's always good to bring your workhouse workhorse back and you know someone to build around in the office offense back but people started to question the aj Dillon pick in the second round last year even more now what do you think about this signing yeah it was pretty interesting i've been back and forth not much back and forth really i've been kind of against the idea of paying running backs a lot of money in recent years just because we've kind of found out over time that they're so in general replaceable compared to other premium positions so i'm kind of against it but i do think aaron jones is a kind of game breaking running back he's really good they're going to let jamal williams go they still have aj Dillon for what three more years at a very cheap contract so i understand this move they're really kind of going all in this year this is their chance for a super bowl so got to do it while you can 
Yeah, I feel you. And then a couple other big signings. After letting both of their offensive tackles walk in free agency, the Kansas City Chiefs signed offensive guard Joe Thune for five years, $80 million. So that's a huge deal to help protect Patty Mahomes for the next five years. Uh, one big story is Shaq Barrett back to the Bucks for four years, $72 million. And on top of that, they re-signed Levante David, Rob Gronkowski, and franchise-tagged Chris Godwin. So they are getting the band back together, not losing much at all to kind of defend their Super Bowl run. What do you think there? Yeah, the Bucks are, like you said, bringing back pretty much everybody from that roster. The Chiefs did the same thing the year before, won a Super Bowl and brought pretty much everybody back, and they were a threat once again, so I fully expect the Bucks to be a threat. Uh, another team, you just mentioned Gronk, brought up the Patriots to mind. The Patriots had a huge day today. They kind of popped off and spent, I don't know, a couple hundred million dollars or so over the next five years. They re-signed, or I guess they signed, Jalen Mills, Trent Brown, Jonu Smith, and Matthew Judon, among others. So pretty big names there for the New England, New England Patriots. Yeah, it is. They've gone absolutely nuts today. They've been the most active team by far. And it's interesting because it started off with tight end Jonu Smith in the morning. He signed that four-year, $50 million deal. And people were applauding them, saying he'd be a good weapon in that offense for Cam Newton or whoever they bring in in the draft. And then they signed uh, Matt Judon from the Ravens, pass rusher for four years, $56 million. I personally think both of those are pretty good signings. But then like Nelson Aguilar for two years, $26 million. That's a weird one. 13 a year after he played with the Raiders last year on the veterans minimum one year one million dollars good for nelson aguilar i guess i guess and then they signed kendrick Bourne, another receiver from the 49ers for two years or three years 22 and a half million and so now they have nelson aguilar kendrick Bourne, demir bird jacoby myers like how many mediocre receivers yeah. <laughs> does one franchise need I, I don't get it yeah that's a weird one and then the problem also is that currently despite all these other names their starting quarterback right now is still cam newton which puts a major ceiling on that team because he's just not going to take a team to the super bowl or at least or maybe not to the playoffs at this point of his career he's just no longer that good so they either need to continue to pursue someone in free agency or in a trade or draft somebody in the first round because otherwise they're not going to go anywhere with Cam Newton. Yeah, we'll see what they do at quarterback, but it is funny after the Bucks won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady and Gronk and a couple other a couple other of their guys like it's like the New England Patriots watch their ex thriving yeah, for sure. and they're they're just overreacting and overcompensating right now, but I mean one positive thing we've got to say about the Patriots is that they had like four or five defensive starters opt out last year they did. because of COVID and then they brought in Cam Newton to play quarterback, but he didn't get a full offseason to the offense and then he got COVID which set him back so I don't know I've got some hope for that team I think they'll be nasty on defense again as long as um what's his name Stefan Gilmore can come back Mm -hmm. from that was it torn ACL or Achilles I can't remember I would rather it be an ACL than an Achilles so hopefully that's I think it is so if he comes back full strength I mean that defense is nasty and I think Cam is going to be better this year than he was last year with a full offseason program so anyway look out for the Pats and then any other big signings you want to mention yeah I don't think you mentioned Yannick Ngakwe did you going two years 26 million dollars to the Raiders we also had Browns added John Johnson who's a safety for three years 33.75 million one thing that I think is really interesting is the Niners re-signed Kyle Juszczyk for five years 25 million I just think that's fun more than any anything because fullback is just a dead position in football yet this guy just still makes a name for himself and makes such a big impact for that team you know his teammates love him he's he's clearly like well thought of amongst other NFL players they think he's a difference maker so cool for a fullback to get 25 million dollars in a time where fullbacks don't exist 
Yeah, you love to see an old school fullback, like someone like him. You picture him just wearing like the neck roll. Yeah, he's a stud, man. He's a beast. Right. He, he's just keeping the dream alive for the guys like Anthony out there. Shout out Anthony, like the yeah. 5'11", 200-pound, all-county linebacker. Just just keeping the dream alive for those size guys. That's right. And then before we move on from the NFL, I do want to talk about a couple of big retirements. One is Drew Brees, the legend, the Hall of Famer, finally officially called it quits, even though we all expected him to retire. What do you think there? Yeah, I'm happy for Drew Brees. I I am sad for him in the sense that I think it was kind of an excruciating last four or five years in New Orleans. Not as much this past year because he finally started to look washed up and I didn't have that high of hopes for them. But like the three years before that, I just I picked them to go to the back to the Super Bowl every year. And I feel like they could have each time and just blew it. So I don't know. There's there's some debate on exactly what his legacy is. But since he did win one Super Bowl and he has so many of these like career passing records and the city of New Orleans just loves him and he has meant so much to that city that I don't know I feel like he has just a great legacy around the NFL and he's going to be around for a while he's joining NBC as an analyst so we're going to be seeing him for years yep incredible career for Drew Brees just first of all kind of coming out of high school was not the biggest recruit undersized guy went to Purdue ended up going to the Chargers had a horrible possibly career ending shoulder injury that was miraculously repaired. I don't know if you ever heard James Andrews comment on that. Never ever told you about that? About his torn labrum? I, yeah. I mean, I know people were freaking out about it. Yeah, I think the quote was, so he had like a, I can't show you, but he had a 360 degree labral tear, which is really bad. His labrum was torn all the way around his shoulder. And James Andrews, who did the surgery, was quoted one time as saying, if I had to do that surgery again a hundred times, I wouldn't do it as well as I did it on Drew Brees. Like really? it was just like an incredible, miraculous recovery that he made, ended up going to the Saints. I mean, he's retiring right now with the most career passing yards in NFL history. And I think second all time in touchdowns. I mean, just an incredible career, not to mention the fact that he is looked at by his teammates as the best leader they've ever met. I know I've heard that from multiple guys. They just consider him the best leader ever. And so great legacy for Drew Brees. Yes. And I'm happy because he also overcame getting semi-canceled last year. So Mm -hmm. huge for him, for his legacy. And then one more thing I want to mention, I think we've talked about this on a previous episode, but with that labrum tear, he was he agreed to sign with the Dolphins, but the medical team wouldn't clear him. Yeah. And that's why Nick Saban left Miami and went back to Alabama, yes. which ruined potentially both of our lives. Yes, it absolutely did. And that a lot is, of others. But that is a complete fact. Anyway, so do we like Drew Brees? Do we hate Drew Brees? There's more to unpack I there. I like but. Drew Brees because... Yeah, it's not completely his fault, but yeah, he's he's very much has played a part in ruining our lives. That's yeah, a fact. But he he didn't personally unleash Nick Saban on us, so he he can remain uncanceled for now. <laughs> Correct. And then the other big retirement, which is not a big retirement as far as name value is concerned, but just a cool guy, LP Latasor. You want to talk about him? <laughs> yes, the long snapper for the Cowboys. No <laughs> one would know this other than us. No, but, but it's he, dope. He played long snapper for the Cowboys for 16 years, never missed a game, and never made a bad snap. Yeah. Just absurd. A long snapping robot perfect NFL career yes never got hurt never missed a game never missed a snap made like 14 million dollars to throw the ball between his legs yeah if you've got kids out there and they're going to be playing football someday train them to be a long snapper you can make millions and millions of dollars for just being good at one tiny thing yes even even less pressure than punters and kickers <laughs> too like pretty legit job right yeah it's not an episode unless we mention LP a lot of sewer. yeah <laughs> heard that. anyway another big signing uh Leonard Floyd go dogs back to the Rams for four years 64 million no one knows how the Rams are getting money these days. Yeah, same, same with the Chiefs, though. The Chiefs and the Rams both have unlimited funds. 
it's unbelievable. But but the Chiefs at least like let a couple people walk, like both of their offensive tackles and a guard, I think, that Joe Thune ended up replacing. And I saw today that they restructured Mahomes' deal and Travis Kelsey and someone else who I can't remember. I don't like what have we seen about the Rams like restructuring or doing anything? They just kind of print money. Both those teams do. I know you're talking about all the restructuring for the Chiefs, but they have they have Patrick Mahomes for five hundred million dollars. Like that's a lot of freaking money. I don't care how you restructure it. Like that guy is still owed like a third of their money for the year. So yeah, I don't know how either one of those teams keep on coming up with it, but they do, and they're both stacked. They are, and yeah, so free agency is going to be interesting. There are more big deals to come, and despite the decreased salary cap this year, around $185 million, spending doesn't seem to be suppressed so far, so I'm wondering if teams are thinking like things might be a little tight for one year, but if next year there's a big pop in the salary cap because of the new TV deal, these deals are all going to look cheap. Yeah, it's the opposite of the Major League Baseball market right now. Things are just going wild in a hurry. Yeah, the, the NFL is thriving. I, I don't think they're too worried about money. We're, we're recovering from COVID. They're talking about packed out stadiums next year. So things are looking up. There's there's a lot of optimism around the league. Have you looked at any updated NFL, I guess, Super Bowl futures odds? I thought you were going to ask me about updated mock drafts and be like, yeah, dude, I look at those every day. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, Super Bowl odds. I think the last I saw was probably a week ago and it was Chiefs plus 500. Okay. They're with the leader. And then Bucks in second around like plus 850. I'm just curious where the Rams are because the Rams are just so loaded. I can't wait to see them next year. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I think it's those two at the top, Bucks and then, or uh, Chiefs and then Bucks. And then there's a pack of like three or four teams at plus 1200. And that's okay. like Packers, Bills, Rams, maybe Ravens. So yeah, they're, they're one of the top five or six. Yeah. But again, I'm selling the Rams. I think that they're going to have the exact same results that they did with Jared Goff. <laughs> All right. Well, we might have to put a little bet on that one for next season, but we got a long time before that happens. Yes, we do. All right. Well, that's about all I got for the NFL, unless you have more. I think that's it. All right. Well, let's talk some golf. We had a packed leaderboard and a very exciting Sunday at the players. Uh, what were your big takeaways here? My big takeaway, one, is that Bryson DeChambeau is still a beast, despite the fact he didn't win. He is the most... Like, I guess he's the most watchable golfer, I would say, since Prime Tiger. Is he not? Like, to me, he's the most, like, kind of you have to tune in guy since Tiger was in his heyday. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I I don't know. I I think Spieth, like, after he was going on that tear, Brooks when he was on a tear, and then also, like, Rory back in the day were kind of must-watch when they were going on their runs. But I get what you mean. Like, it's it's not just simply playing well it's doing something you've never seen before that is just absolutely bombing the ball um but yeah you're right he he couldn't use his driver much on this course so it was very different for him but to finish two strokes back of the leader in third place pretty impressive he's he's a contender for the masters for sure i had a blast watching the tournament just in general the the course is beautiful so much fun to watch every hole there it was an incredible shape it was a it was both at the same time, like playable, like the winner was 14 under, but also testing, like you saw so many double and triple bogeys. You saw so many balls in the water. That finishing stretch of 16, 17, 18 is just incredible to watch, especially on 18. You saw Justin Thomas's drive on 18. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have no idea how that stayed out of the water. It was hooking so hard to the left and somehow got to kick forward instead of the left. So things could have changed in a hurry, but incredible run kind of at the beginning of the back nine for JT to put him in the lead and they just couldn't catch him. Yeah. I love that moment for JT after he almost hit that drive 
dive in the water. He like pulled his hat down over his face and kind of like looked at his caddy and laughed like, what the hell was I doing there? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I like JT. He's He seems like a very personable guy and he recently got dropped as a sponsor from Polo after calling himself names. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it, it was good to see him win. He's going to be another contender at the Masters too. I, I just, I hope that you know these majors moving forward specifically the masters in a couple of weeks will have these packed leaderboards on sundays it's been really fun to watch this season yeah i can't wait also shout out to lee westwood who finished alone in second place i realized just this weekend i guess that lee westwood is the uga football of golfers <laughs> always kind of hanging around the top five but yeah never quite over the top can't quite win it also did you pay attention to that last putt he had on 18 uh, I'm not sure that I did. I probably turned it off by that point. Okay, so JT was in the clubhouse already at 14 under. Bryson and Lee Westwood were coming up on 18. They were tied at 12 under. So they both had to make their second shots for eagle, their approach shots in order to tie. Neither one of them did, but they were both in the green. Bryson putted first, had a 360 lip out. It lipped all the way around, came back out. So he tapped in for par. Lee Westwood then buried, I don't know how long it was, like a 15, 20 footer for birdie. No one cared really because it was for second place, but if you pay attention, it was for half a million more dollars. Yeah, that that hurts. (laughs) You don't want to be looking at the purse and the standings like that. Yeah, that's tough. (laughs) Yeah, that's real tough, but good for Lee Westwood. He's still cashing in despite the fact that he can't get over the top, kind of like the dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Super dig at the dogs right there. Really unnecessary, but I, I totally get it. So who are the other Lee Westwoods of the world? I feel like Ricky Fowler's kind of in there. Like he, he, he's never going to win one. But Ricky kind of Fowler is is like the dogs under Mark Richt, whereas <laughs> Lee Westwood is like the dogs under Kirby Smart. Okay, Lee, we, we need to do an episode specifically dedicated to you ranking every PGA Tour golfer as a version <laughs> of the dogs. Brian Harmon is short Georgia football. Okay. Um <laughs> We got Brendan Todd. Brendan Todd's a dog. He hit the worst, single worst tee shot on 17 that you will ever see in your entire life. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I got to show you. As soon as we finish this, I'm going to put it on TV. Brendan Todd. Okay, so like if you look at 17, you got the tee box and then out there, you know, you got the island green and then it's a big lake and way over to the right in like the middle of the lake, there's this little island with a bunch of like yellow flowers. He almost hit it on the island. He hit it like 50 yards straight right and just dropped his club and started cracking up. It was like what you and I would do. Yeah, that's that's not ideal. I saw something similar that was funny last weekend, I think. Tyrell Hatton absolutely shanked a shot, and he just looks at his caddy dead serious and goes, have you ever seen a worse golf shot? And his, <laughs> yeah. his caddy just kind of starts like laughing it off, and he's like, no, I'm serious. Answer the question. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, there were a bunch of shots this weekend that made me feel good about myself. I was like, these guys are so good, and even they, they do this. Bryson hit a tee shot, like a drive, less than 100 yards. He topped it straight into the water. Yeah. It was bananas. It's crazy. You very rarely see professional golfers do that. But yeah, I've got my first lesson next weekend. So I'll be a scratch golfer by June. I can't wait to get back out there with you. We were out there last time together in what, November? Yeah, something like that. It wasn't pretty. No, more more so for you than me. But I'll catch up to you real quick once I get my lessons. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) All right, let's move on to some NBA. I don't know if there's any huge news other than MVP frontrunner Joel Embiid went down with a bone bruise in his knee. He's going to be out at least two weeks. Opens the door a little bit for the Brooklyn Nets, who are one game back, sitting at the two seed in the East. They've won nine of their last 10 games without Kevin Durant, who will also be out a couple more weeks. What are you thinking in the NBA landscape right now? NBA right now is very strange, is it not? Like, it just things are just kind of scattered. There's not a lot of clarity. There's injuries. There's things kind of moving up and down. The standings are just not at all what I expect them to look like. It's just been very, very strange. I don't even know. I think more and more the general consensus is that we're heading towards this 
huge collision in the finals between the Lakers and the Nets. But at the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised if either one of those teams got knocked off a little bit earlier, just because you never know. Like it's, I think it's unpredictable like last year, which is fun to me. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about like a collision course between the Nets and Lakers when you've got KD nursing an injury and AD's been out for for a while with an injury. Like if those guys can't come back full strength, of course we expect them to as of now, but if they're not full strength in the playoffs, of course they could get knocked off. But I don't know, I just don't know who's going to do it. Like, you know, in the East, I'm not sold on the Bucks, never have been. You give me a hard time for teams like the Jazz, how I'll never believe in them until they literally win a championship. But I just, I don't see anyone doing it. So that's my finals for now and I don't know like you could say the Clippers but they just feel like they've been a little off I haven't been super impressed by them this year very inconsistent yeah there's they don't ever put together any stretches or like oh wow this team is a championship team they're just kind of like they're very talented they show little flashes but nothing consistent so I'm with you there yeah exactly and if you look at the overall standings things in the Eastern Conference have started to normalize a little bit like for a while the Heat were out of the playoffs they're up to the five seed and the Celtics are the four or actually reverse the, mm-hmm. the heat or the four the celtics or the five so like that would be an awesome first round matchup if we get there and then also something cool in the east is the charlotte hornets they're sitting above 500 i mean they're only 19 and 18 but making the playoffs Lamelo's killing it they could yeah. be a lot of fun yeah they could be a lot of fun i think they're sadly for them entering this kind of like dead zone where they're getting good too early too quickly and so now they're going to be like a, a lower tier playoff team and not be able to build in the future because they're not going to be able to attract free agents and they're not going to be high enough in the draft. So I think they're entering like the Atlanta Hawks zone of like, hey, we're going to be the seven or eight seed for the next seven years. But it is cool that they are making this little leap earlier than expected and going to be a playoff team. I don't know. They could attract some free agents. People want to play with LaMelo, maybe come get adopted by LeVar Ball. Sounds sick. I'm going to go no. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) And then I want to mention the hometown Atlanta Hawks. Lowly start to the season, but since firing their head coach Lloyd Pierce, they've won five in a row. They are now the eighth seed in the East. Maybe they'll have a chance to knock off the Sixers and the Nets in the first round, baby. Come on, Hawks. The Hawks are better than this. The Hawks are better than the Hornets. They should climb up to the sixth seed, get that first round, not buy, but avoid the little play-in tournament thing. The Hawks, you're too talented to be sitting in the eighth spot right now. Come on. Yeah, but I kind of want them to finish in the seven or eight spot because they'd, they'd get a couple home playoff games against the Sixers or Nets. Just go see them, knock them off in the Highlight Factory. The Highlight Factory. Let's go. Jay We're Smith. back. I, the Highlight Factory just brings me back to Josh Josh Smith and Joe Johnson Hawks days. Joe Johnson. Yes. Four, three. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you did Joe Johnson, not Josh Smith for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have very fond memories of Josh Smith. He would just no. jack up threes and make no. him at like 19%. It'd absolutely throw rocket passes into the third row. Yeah, well, yes. he was pretty stoned, so who could fault him? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I got for NBA. So is that it for today? I think that is a wrap. Thank you all for tuning in once again. Don't forget to follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. Hope you'll have a good week. Catch you next Monday. Enjoy some madness. See you next week. Let's go. Let's go.